Howdy, everybody. It's John from Vacation Rentals with John. Today, I want to do a brief episode on tax planning so that you can save a bundle on your taxes by leveraging your short-term rental to do that. So if you're a high earner or you have a lot of W-2 income, there's a huge opportunity to reduce your tax burden with your short-term rental property. So some of this requires planning. Actually, all of it requires planning. But you once you have this carefully crafted plan, you can put it into action and actually save a lot of money in your taxes year end. So there's a couple of tests you have to solve for. You need to know if your property is going to pacify for passive or non-passive losses. And this is going to depend on if you're what the IRS calls a material participant or a non-material participant. So ideally, you do want your short-term rental business to show as a loss because that loss can be offset against your income that you have elsewhere, right? So it's not meaning that money's going to be just dripping out of your bank account every month. You're losing money, losing money. No, 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 no. You just want to show a loss so that you can offset some of your actual other income with this loss from your short-term rental property. So let's get into how you could use a short-term rental property for non-passive losses. If you have non-passive losses, that's when you are a material participant, and this is going to offer way greater tax benefits than passive losses do. So you have to pass that test, ask yourself that question, how do you know if you're classified as a material participant in your business? Well, the IRS gives seven tests for material participation, and if you satisfy one of these tests, well, then your short-term rental losses can be classified as non-passive losses, which are way better than having passive losses. So then you have this other step you need to go to, and you need to know how long on average are you renting your property? Are you renting your short-term rental for an average of seven days or less, or are you actually renting your property for 30 days or less while providing your guests with substantial services like mate services, um, concierge, things of that nature? It's important to know because if you classify this wrong and you take the wrong tax benefits, you can end up costing yourself thousands and thousands of dollars by doing this incorrectly. For that reason, I definitely want you to consult your tax professional to find out what in your unique situation is going to work best for you. Now, passive losses happen when you're a non-material participant. So you have the short-term rental investment. You're not a material participant in the investment. These losses are passive losses, and you can deduct passive losses against your W-2 income from your, your day job. But there's limitations, right? So the most effective passive losses are to people who are classified as real estate professionals by the IRS code. Landlords get way better deductions. But if you're not a landlord, you can still take advantage of passive losses. You're just going to have some limitations. So you want more non-passive losses because of the greater benefits, right? That's like you're running the business, materially participating in running the short-term rental business. You get big, big deductions for this. And let's ask the question, how long should you actually rent your short-term rental property for? And many hosts that I talk to, they're not even sure this is a thing because they didn't do tax planning. So you, you may be wondering, well, I rent it for whenever the guest wants to book. Like sometimes they want to book 30 days, sometimes they want to book seven. Well, what they're looking for is the average. Like you're letting your house out to others. What's the average stay? And if your average stay is pushing you out of the window for one of these classifications, the way it's treated for taxes is entirely, entirely different. So let's do a quick run through of this. Uh, Say you have your property on Airbnb or Verbo or Booking.com and you're renting it out for longer than a standard week, seven days. 
If you're renting it for longer than seven days on average, you want to make up the difference with having some rentals that are actually shorter, like three or four days in length, so that the average is brought down below a week. And this requires some planning on your part. So if you have a property manager, you're definitely going to want to share with them your tax planning strategy because you don't want them to screw up your average and then you're going to end up paying more taxes or not being able to take advantage of certain deductions because your average length of stay went over that seven-day mark. You risk losing what's called that non-passive status. It's going to cost you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. You don't want that to happen. So you want to make sure that your average length of stay is where you want it to be for your tax planning strategy. Now, if you're renting out your property for an average length of, say, more than that week, more than seven days, but less than 30 days, then you have this like more complicated situation. And the IRS is saying by doing that, you're providing substantial services like maid services, um, meals, things like equipment, all the stuff that the IRS is assuming you do because you're renting between seven and 30 days. And then some of this income is going to have to be reported on Schedule C. And you may have to pay self-employment taxes if you're providing substantial services. So if you're running this business more actively and you're renting out the property for an average duration of more than seven days, but less than 30, yeah, you may be on the hook for some taxes for that. So it's important to consult with your tax professional, but you need to know what your average length of stay usually is. And you can plan your next year so that you're more in line with your tax strategy to reduce your tax burden. So many short-term rental investors want to rent their property out for seven days or less because once they pass that test for this non-passive status, you can leverage depreciation in so many ways and reduce expenses associated with your short-term rentals. That's what you want to do ideally. So having that average length of stay of seven days or less, it's really going to do a lot for you. Now, I love me some depreciation. It's such an awesome tool to get tax savings. I'm a nerd. I love depreciation. Depreciation is a great thing. So if you think about standard depreciation, you have a short-term rental property, it's usually going to be 39 years, 39 years. But if you do what's called cost segregation, cost segregation study, this all changes. You can take depreciation and move it into a way smaller timeline, giving you way greater tax benefits. And when you do what's called a cost segregation study, you're taking your property and you're splitting it up in individual little components that can be depreciated over shorter periods like 7, 15 years in timeline, maybe even 5 years, right? And when you take these components that actually make up around 30% of your property purchase price, you can show really big losses. And these losses that are non-passive can be used to offset your income and minimize your tax burden. So it's a really good idea to actually do a cost segregation study because it could allow you to speed up that depreciation and take a greater tax benefit. So there's also that bonus depreciation. And if you have that cost segregation study done as a short-term rental investment, and you're getting these big deductions, you have bonus depreciation too. Uh, Back in 2022, it was 100%, right? But now you have bonus depreciation that can reduce 20% each year, but it's going to phase out in 2027. So if if you don't take advantage of this now, it's not going to be around forever, right? So you can take advantage of both bonus depreciation, do a cost segregation study, and you can really bring down your tax burden. How much can you actually deduct from your taxes? Well, in some cases, it could be tens of thousands of dollars less. So you want to take advantage of this. You don't want to just assume and not take these write-offs, not take advantage of these deductions because you know, you're leaving money on the table that way, right? So 
If you want to find out more information on this, I'll include some links in my transcript to some of these IRS publications. I know this episode may not have applied to everybody because everyone's tax situation is different, but I hope it got you thinking about tax planning because if you're a short-term rental owner or investor or a business person in general, tax planning is extremely important and proper planning ahead of time can save you tons of money and a penny save is definitely a penny earned. If you haven't joined a Facebook group, I'm inviting you to join. We're getting an inner circle going there where we can all share our experiences and learn and grow together. We'd love to have you there. I'm going to include a link in the show notes. And if you'd like to receive my newsletter, please just shoot me an email. My email will be in the show notes as well. And I'm happy to connect. So thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, friends, take care.